Hello, welcome to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. This Wednesday, Apostle teaches a sermon titled, Faith Towards God. Apostle begins by teaching us to not glory in our accomplishments, experience or resources, but to put our faith in God. The man of God shows us through the lives of David and Abraham the results these men achieved through their faith towards God and urges us to hold God at his word, which he has promised. So here comes your word. Grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the city of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed by the word. Hebrews 6 from verse 1. Praise God. And this evening, we'll be discussing faith towards God. Faith towards God. Praise the Lord. So let's, let's go. Hebrews 6 and verse 1. The Bible says, Therefore, leaving the discussions of the elementary principles of Christ... Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. And there are so many others that are mentioned, but for today, I want us to zero in on faith towards God. Now, faith towards God is something that you have to treasure. It's something that you have to keep. And I believe it's something that you always have to refresh. And something that I would like us to know concerning faith is that faith is measurable. Faith can be quantified. Look at Luke 18 verse 8. You understand why every now and then the Holy Spirit will lead us to such a topic. In Luke 18, verse 8, the Bible says, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Faith can actually finish. It's quantifiable. You can, you, you can measure it. You can grab a hold of it. You can grow it. Unfortunately, you can also lose it. Jesus actually asked if he was going to find faith when he comes back. Remember the parable of the virgins, and then five of them had oil, and then the other five didn't have. Eventually, those that didn't have couldn't stand at a certain period of time. So faith is quantifiable. There are some people whose faith remained in 2019. Faith can be measured, and this is something that I would really like us to understand. 
the message of faith is not to be replaced, but instead it's to be built upon. Let me show you from the scriptures before I get back. Uh, take me to Second Peter 1. And let's read from verse 3. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, uh -huh. by which has been given exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Let's go on. For this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Then we are told what else to add. So with faith, you build on it. You add to it. You don't remove it. You cannot replace the message of faith. And if you don't know what virtue is, it's excellence. So, excellence, planning, all those things are things that we add to our faith. Never neglect the aspect of faith towards God. And that's what we are looking at this evening. So, when we're talking about faith towards God, what we are saying is giving God that due honor, reverence, acknowledging that there are certain things only he can do. And acknowledging that he would do them in your life. I was, on, I was in a conversation um, yesterday. And I was talking to one of our members. Somewhere in the evening, we had a call. And so they were explaining a certain situation to me. And as time has gone by, the situation didn't seem to get better. There's, there's a fix that they were trying to sort out. And when they explained it to me, uh, for those who've worked with me, my mind is always thinking, what can we do about this? What can we do? What can we do? I'm always thinking, have we tried this? Have we tried this? Have we called there? Have we called there? For a moment, I was... I, I had no thought whatsoever. And I remember saying, you know, this point you've reached, only God can help you here. Then I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me and what he said really, really moved me. I heard in my spirit, if at this point she's reached, all she has is God. Who says that's a disadvantage? Who says she's in a bad position? If all the medicine has failed and all a person has is God, the only one they can trust in for their healing is God. Who says they're at a disadvantage? Listen, if all the sponsorships have failed and somebody's at a place where they're saying, for me, if I'm to finish my education, it can only be God. Who says they're at a disadvantage? There is that pure faith towards God that we must never lose. Never lose that faith towards God. That purity of faith towards God. The moment you lose it, you know what happens? You stop walking in rest. 
There is a reason Jesus could be asleep when there was a storm. Jesus was in a boat. There was a storm. For a moment, he was asleep. What was he tuned into? It was that faith towards God. And if you've read in the scriptures, Jesus had so much faith in God. Hebrews 5, 7, if you've read it. Notice what Hebrews 5, verse 7 says. It says, who in the days of his flesh, he cried out to God. He offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears so he was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. There is a reason why he could think the way he was thinking. It's because of that genuine, pure, unadulterated faith towards God. And I've come to learn that the more you grow, uh, the more you grow in these things, and even just the more you live your experiences in life, this one, that pure faith towards God, can be a challenge. It can actually be a challenge. It can be a challenge. Now, I'm not saying stop planning. I'm not saying stop doing the best that you can do. But those should be additions to a stronger foundation, which is faith towards God. Praise the Lord. Never lose that faith towards God. Because at the end of the day, have you ever read the wisdom James gives? When James says, don't boast about tomorrow, because you, I mean, you never even know. Uh, you may be saying, I'm going this place, but I might, you might not go there. So say, God willing. Remember when James was saying that. What he was trying to say is, look, no matter how meticulous you are in your planning, no matter how much you think, there are some people who made serious plans. Some of these big companies had strategic meetings, hired consultants, millions of dollars in order for 2020 to be successful. But somehow, there are certain things they couldn't see about it because they couldn't see the future. So, the, the place of God willing. Now, for us, as you know, there are dimensions of faith. For us who can actually even know the will of God, <laughs> we, are, we, are, we are not assuming we can actually come to know the will of God. We can approach him with confidence. It's a better place. Never neglect that aspect of faith towards God. That faith towards God will keep you dreaming. That faith towards God will keep you still envisioning. Don't listen to me. Someone may be listening to me today and you've decided that you know what, you'll just live a life of settling for less. You'll just live a life of whatever comes, comes. Hopefully, one or two things might be okay. Some of us have decided, okay, maybe this disease will just never go away. I'll just learn to bear with it. I'll just learn to bear with the pain. I'll just learn to manage it. Some of us may have decided, maybe I'll never really be as influential as I've envisioned. Maybe I'll never really open that. Maybe I'll never really attain that level of wealth. Some of us were just meant to be at this place. Where is your faith towards God? Where is that pure faith towards God? Praise God. And there are two people I want us to look at from the scriptures. I would like us to look at David. David lived a life of faith towards God. And... Picture this, the shepherd boy counted out, even by his own father. The prophet came, and when he was using sight, there were other people who were better qualified by, than David. David wasn't even invited for the meeting. His own inauguration, he wasn't invited. 
Imagine, some of us here may be in a position where we've not been called for the job interview which God has promised you that job. Imagine that. Not even invited for his own meeting. But God intervened. There is a place where there was no human connection that could have intervened. I mean, his strongest connection was his dad and his dad didn't even invite him. God intervened. And when God intervened, David comes, he's anointed king. How on earth was it going to happen? So was there. And as time goes by, an opportunity comes up. But you see, David, if there's something that he kept very pure, it was his faith in God. I'll tell you why. David was a shepherd, right? And while being a shepherd... He would keep sheep and all that. And if you've read in the scriptures, even at some private battles, he once fought a bear. He once fought a lion. We don't know. Maybe it wasn't even once. But he would fight things that would try and attack his sheep. Does it then shock you that one day he's writing a psalm? He looks at himself. Him being a shepherd. But he had this care for his sheep, which weren't even his or for his father. But he had such care that he could fight off a lion and bear for their sake. Then he thinks, it's me. I can do this for them. Ha, then the Lord is my shepherd. So when he was picturing God as his shepherd, there was a kind of shepherd he was looking at. That's why he went on to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. David knew that whenever the sheep... Listen. David knew that if the sheep saw him, they never had to think about whether they'll eat or not. Because as long as David was in charge, those sheep were never going to want. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness, or in Psalm 23, for his name's sake. And then he even said something else. Because obviously there were times to get to those greener pastures. They had to pass through places which they didn't want to pass through. So he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he knew that even if they had to pass through a surrounding, that wasn't the best. As long as he was there. One of the things is, firstly, they were not going to lie down in that valley of the shadow of death. Secondly, they were just passing through. Thirdly, it was but a shadow. But at the end of the day, they were going to still end up in that place of greener pastures. And that's why you observe that when David was confronting Goliath, Goliath had all these... He had trust in all these physical things. David did his part of preparation the best way he knew how. He got stones. That was the best thing he had interacted with. Later on, maybe he interacted with swords. But at that point, that was the best thing he interacted with. I mean, you've been doing your part. You've been applying where you're supposed to apply. You've, been, uh, uh, you've taken the supplements you're supposed to take. You've taken A, B, C, D. You're doing your part. You've gotten those five stones. Despite having those five stones, that we don't even know how good David was with his throwing of stones. Maybe he was good, maybe he was not good. But all we know is that when you read 1 Samuel 17, verse 44, you'll notice the Philistines said to David, Come to me, I'll give you, this is Goliath, I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Let's go on. And David said to the Philistine, please, if, I, if, I, if in any way I say it wrongly, try, try to correct me. You know, the projectors. And he says, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and a javelin. But I come to you with experience of killing the lion and the bear. Really? I come to you with five stones. 
Praise God. Listen. You may be on a supplement. You may be, like I say, doing all the pushing that you're pushing in every area. But that's not where your faith should rest. That's not where your faith should rest. He says, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. In short, he knew that there was, he called on somebody bigger. He's called on somebody greater. And I'm sure God is like, hey, Gabriel, Michael, and all you guys, there's a problem. There's a guy down there who's using stones to fight a very experienced warrior but there's a mistake. He's called upon the name of the Lord. I... <laughs> we have to get involved somehow. And somehow a stone. Look at the next verse. <laughs> and this day the Lord would deliver you into my hand. He takes it further. And he says, I will strike you and take your head from you with a stone. How is he going to remove the head with a stone? And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Let's go on. Then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword and the spear. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into my hands. So... He did his part. He got his stones. But notice where his faith was. His faith was towards God. Even in ministry, we may do our part. We may give out the flyers. We may do our evangelism. But let's never lose that childlike, pure faith towards God. Never lose that. Let's go on. Kill so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David. David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. There is this boldness that comes when you've got faith towards God. The Philistine is walking to him. David runs towards him. And that's why I would advise you to go and listen to the series on the podcast, which I did on faith, because you understand that faith is not just sitting and saying, I've got faith. No, it's got an action side to it. Faith sometimes may involve going to the judge. Faith may involve going to the judge every day and saying, I want my, I want my justice. I want my justice. I want my justice. Go, Jesus said that person had faith. <laughs> faith may sometimes involve taking the same letter to the same place. I've come for my job. <laughs> I've come for my... I've come. It may involve doing the same thing daily and expecting a different result every day. But it's about who your faith is towards. And that's why David could write things like this. Psalm 20 verse 7. Psalm 20 verse 7. And these are scriptures I would quote a lot when I was studying in the faith. And I was just reminded, you know, some of these, you have to go back to them. It says, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we'll remember the name of the Lord our God. That's why he could write things like Psalm 121 verse 1, where it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where comes my help? My help comes from the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth. Praise God. And he begins to boast about what his God can do. Hallelujah. The second person I want us to look at quickly is Abraham. Hebrews 11 
verse 17. Hebrews 11, verse 17. Praise the Lord. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Now, before we go to the next verse, I want you to understand something. When Abraham went with Isaac to sacrifice him, it was a faith issue. And no one could have understood why Abraham was doing what he was doing unless they understood that Abraham had faith towards God. I want you to understand that it was a faith issue. I also want you to understand this. Abraham was not expecting that he was not going to come back with Isaac. Because God had already promised him that he was going to have descendants as many as the stars. And the promise was that in terms of the descendants, it was going to be in the context of Isaac. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Next verse. I want you to see this. I want you to see the faith he had. Of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. So I want you to understand this, that even when God was telling Abraham about Isaac, the seed was in Isaac. Then God says, bring Isaac, your only son whom you love, and bring him and sacrifice him. Next verse. Concluding. In short, he sat down and had a conversation. An assignment doesn't start with a conclusion. It starts with introduction. <laughs> Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And then you write a few things and a few things. And then, he, and then you know, yeah. how many of us do assignments often? I know we're doing different. A lot of us are in school, especially if you've done courses like the ones I've done. You have to, and you're taught, compare and contrast and give your conclusion. Your sight, okay, there's this, there's this, there's this, there's this. And you say, in conclusion. And so it says, concluding. So when Abraham was about to go with Isaac, he concluded. He already had a conclusion. And what was his conclusion? In concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. In short, when he was going, he was saying, look, God has asked for him, but as far as I'm concerned, my seed is in this one. But because the one who's asked is God, he'll raise him up from the dead. That's why even when it comes to things like offerings, tithes, all those things, let it be a faith issue. If it's not a faith issue, you'll struggle. I've been a pastor for a while. I've seen people who, when they were making 500 kwacha, it was very easy to remove a 50 quarter tithe. The Lord blesses them. They've got 40 pin. Somehow 4 pin becomes... Mm. I, I know what I'm talking about. You'd be amazed. And that's why you start practicing it now. Ensure it's a faith issue. Praise God. Suddenly, no, it's funny. Suddenly when somebody reaches a certain level... They start going to look for all those controversial arguments. Hey, Shani, is this of the Old or is this of the New Testament? But when they were believing God, <laughs> they would die from a 20 quarter. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Suddenly, if you push through and you've got a million, we 100,000 between for God, which you never had in the first place. 
You know, the faith aspect of such things, such as first fruit, tithe, first, first fruit sanctifies everything else, right? According to the scriptures. But the faith aspect is you're acknowledging who your source is. <laughs> Praise God. So he concluded that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, and of which he received him back. Because biblically, Abraham had already killed Isaac, not so. Because if you look at a woman lustfully, <laughs> you've committed adultery in your heart. Abraham had already done what he was supposed to do in his heart. But then he concluded, he, had, he already had a conclusion of God. The conclusion was, if God asks for this, then he's able to do this. The day you approach God with that mentality, you will not struggle to follow biblical principles. Because your conclusion will be, if God has said, I follow this principle, then he already has this sorted. If God has said, I should do things like this, then he already has this sorted. Because the God who we are talking about, here is something interesting about him that we shouldn't forget. We'll go to that. I, I love James 2.23. Then we'll have one last scripture. Speaking of the same Abraham. This is, what, this is something that faith towards God can do for you. Eh? James 2.23. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Someone here may be saying, Apostle, I wish I heard this two years ago. I've not really been showing faith. I've been panicking. I've made some wrong decisions. I've trusted in the wrong things. I've got some good news for you. You know, you can re-edit that story. My, my heart is always filled with so much faith when I read Hebrews 11, verse 11. Because it talks about Sarah. And you know, before reading Hebrews, I'd read Genesis. Because I, I started by reading the entire Old Testament and the like. So I was very disappointed in Sarah when I went to the Old Testament. I was very disappointed. I didn't like how uh, she gave her servant, was it Hagar, for Abraham to have another son. I felt she panicked. But you know something? Maybe I don't understand. Can you imagine how she was feeling? We don't know how many years she was with Abraham. And now she's like hitting 60s, 70s or something like that. So there's a very high chance that I also just don't understand. Eh? <laughs> because she was in her, she could have been in her 80s at that point. right? Because Ishmael was how many years older than Isaac? Was it 14? And Sarah gave birth at 99, right? Because there was a one-year difference with Abraham who was 100. And so... She could have been in her 80s. Okay, maybe <laughs> I should be more lenient. <laughs> so all those years, child wasn't coming. And so she gives her servant, and there's a child. I think God visited Abraham, if you've read in Genesis. It should be chapter 18, right? Is it 18? When Abraham looked and he saw three men, and it was the Lord. And if you read chapter 19, it concludes that one was the Lord and other two were angels, right? Because chapter 19 says, and the two angels went to Sodom. Come on, guys, basic Bible study. So now, <laughs> God visited Abraham, and God is telling Abraham that, look, you're going to have a child. And then Sarah laughed. And if you read it from the message translation or NIV, it goes like, she laughed in her heart and said, me, will I have a child with this old man of a husband? 
So I always imagine her saying that in a Nigerian accent with this old man of a husband. <laughs> That's how I imagine it when I read it. And now we know that the scriptures were inspired by God. So whatever we see is God's perspective. So I was so shocked that when you come to the New Testament and it's telling us heroes of faith, Sarah was mentioned. And this is what it says. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. Most of the time we haven't talked about Abraham's, but even Sarah. And it says, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. So we, we never know. Maybe there is a part in Genesis that didn't tell the full picture. Perhaps one day she sat and said, you know what? The one who promised. I've seen what he's done to this man. This man was nothing. This is the old man of a husband. And then God raised him. And then did this. And then did this. Ha. Okay. My body may be in this position. Notice she didn't judge her body anymore. My body may be at this level. At that point, she was not judging her body or the importance of her husband. Because, you know, Abraham had become important at that point. He was a hand, so he couldn't perform. But interestingly, if you read in Genesis, after Sarah died, Abraham married another woman. Was it Keturah? And had more children. Is it six or seven? When God opens the door. (laughs) So, listen. You may have started out as one of those people who use dubious means. You may be one of those who use shortcuts. But you can change that story. And when your story is being read in heaven, everything else will be skipped. And it will just say, by faith. (laughs) By faith, by faith, this one concluded. This one judged that God was faithful. Praise God. Now, here is the reason why we should have all this faith towards God. And I'll give just one scripture. Numbers 23 and verse 19. And I want us to read it together. Numbers 23 and verse 19. If someone was to ask, Apostle, why are you exhorting us to have this faithful big and supernatural things. Even when, if, even when the voice of the world is saying this, even when the voice of the economy is saying this, even when my body is crying out and saying this, why should I have faith that I can live till past the 100 years old when I'm struggling in my 17-year-old body? Why, Apostle? Why? Simple. Numbers 23, verse 19. One, two, three, go. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said... And will he not do? Oh, has he spoken? And will he not make it good? Hallelujah! God is not a man. Never conclude that God is a man. He's not limited to human limitations. He doesn't work on man's timeline. God can raise someone from nothing. God can raise someone from a poor family and make them a king. God can exhort one and bring down another. God can raise someone from, from the very abyss and bring them to the very top. That's if he could raise Jesus from the dead and sit him by heaven at the right hand, God can raise someone from anywhere. He can raise someone from constantly failing exams to a place where they are a professor. God is not a man. He's not limited. His word does not return to him void. But it, it accomplishes everything that it was sent forth to do. He's not a man. And that's why next week 
Good of us, that's right. Next week, you know what we're going to do? Let's continue from that place where he sends his word down and his word is like rain. Let's see how we can position ourselves. I dare you, ladies and gentlemen, admonish you to believe again. Praise God. You know, some of us are, should I say it? Some of us, in all, with all due respect, you know what we're doing? It's like we, we are afraid of being disappointed by God, so we've just stopped believing. Like, okay, this area, it's okay. I'll just love him because, you know, I just love God. <sighs> you can't outgive God. You can't outlove him. No. My God is not going to be counted as unfaithful in your life. He's not going to be counted as one who just allowed you to believe hopelessly or aimlessly. All these people we've talked about, David, Abraham, Sarah, despite the different phases, you know, when we read it in the scriptures, we don't read the years, we don't read some of the moments. One thing we can agree about all of them is that they got results. May the Lord work speedily in your life. This word is working speedily. May you touch with your hands that which you are seeing in the scriptures. Like you hold it physically with your hands in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Come and encourage them. Give them God is able. God is able. And as you do so, you know what I want you to do? I want you all to lift your hands. If you want to stand, stand. But I want you to believe for those things that you even stopped believing for. And I want you to speak them out with your mouth. Speak out and say, God, I know you're able to do A, B, C, D. I know you're able to do this in my life. I know you're able to do this in my life. I believe. I believe. Speak out with your words. Speak out. Speak out. Speak out. Let the Lord speak out that you have judged him faithfully. Speak out. Speak out. Speak out. Shema Santa Kayabahai. sense a family wrangle, a family dispute being resolved. Is a family wrangle and a dispute being resolved in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Your inheritance is allocated to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for their forces fighting over our careers. Forces fighting for the establishment of our businesses of our enterprises in the name of Jesus forces fighting over our establishment yes you are established yes you are established in the name of Jesus I pray even over your health in Jesus name may the word of God
word of God becomes to your body. The word of God is therapy to your body, therapy to your heart, therapy to your mind. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray even over your family, speaking preservation, good health, in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Oh, wow. What a service. I have been so blessed, and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0 If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.